Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Is all that's missing to make the new starting lineup work just a little practice? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always free, never behind a paywall. Locked On Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to hang out and with uh, over 22,000 subscribers and talk about the starting lineup because that's what a lot of people are doing these days and talk about Darvin Ham and his decision making because people are doing that there as well. We'd love to use the comments. We'd love to use your questions on the show so please make sure you are sending them want to let people know that today's episode is brought to you by prize picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use the code all lowercase locked on nba for your a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars um one of the big twitter uh things on you know nba social media has been a conversation about um, whether or not the Lakers botched their draft um, over the summer um, based on the performance of one rookie in particular, but I actually think the conversation should be extended to two of them. Um, so we'll get to that before the end of the show. We'll talk about uh, tonight's game against Charlotte, which really, I mean, guys, do not screw this up. Um, but let's start with Andy with a little bit of practice because the Lakers finally had one um, and there was at least some optimism expressed in the coaching staff and among players that uh, this new starting lineup, which has gotten off to a rocky start with uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Cam Reddish um, in the lineup and D'Lo to the bench. But a little practice, Andy, might help iron out some of the rough edges. Yeah, I mean... You heard after practice t today, Jared Vanderbilt talking about just the benefit of being out there and actually being able to work in a practice setting with that lineup as opposed to everything being, you know, a dress rehearsal in real time, right. which is a, a difficult way to implement it. I mean, especially for somebody like Jared Vanderbilt, who I think is still to some degree working his way into game shape anyway. And he said that, you know, quote, now that we're able to start putting in some sets and build some chemistry with that lineup with a couple of practices, I think it will only get better starting today with a good practice. I think going back to the in-season tournament and our traveling and stuff, we haven't had many practices. So this was a much needed efficient practice that kind of brings us together. And he also mentioned how one of the benefits of having a practice just when things are getting off track, you just have a setting to try to, you know, take a beat figure out exactly what's going wrong and you can have a little bit more patience. You can have a little bit more repetition and things like that. I also thought Darvin had an interesting, interesting assessment when asked during today's practice about the pros and cons of the new lineup. And he said, quote, I think the pros are the size, the athleticism, the ability to switch across the board. I think the cons are just different actions. Not having a traditional point guard can be challenging at times. But at the end of the day, again, we have our stuff and our package where we can still get to really good stuff. Get Braun some really good looks. Get Anthony Davis some really good looks. Torian, Cam, and Vando being able to slash and be effective at the rim, I think it's more good than bad. Um, and this also, too, uh, Vanderbilt also talked about how the practices can hopefully help guys – 
basically him, Prince, and Reddish being able to just react quicker to everything they're expected to do, I think on both sides of the ball, but in particular offensively, just the idea that when the ball comes to them, they will do whatever they are supposed to do faster and not have to think yep. about it at all. And, you know, that relates to a quote that came after the Boston game where Darwin was talking about those guys, you know, and he said, you know, if they're trying to play off, I mean, the defense playing off of them, Cam's got to step up shooting with confidence or eat up that space on the drive, collapse the defense once he touches the paint and try to find the open man. Same thing for Vando. The ball hits him. You just can't hold it and be confused. You got to move on to the next thing, whether it's a pitch ahead uh, and hit to its teammates shot goes off go hunt down the offensive rebound get us some extra possessions and, you know basically let's play fast let's play in some, with some rhythm and all that kind of stuff and okay that's fine but like to me this the, all of this stuff put together gets to one of the big questions to put it charitably around this lineup which is you know the the I, you know good teams take role play Good teams take role players and they put them in positions where they are most likely to succeed. And what I found really disturbing, particularly about that quote, <clears throat> you know, after the Boston game that I just read, but then even some of this other stuff, you know, that Darwin's talking about in uh, in practice on Wednesday, is you are you're asking Vanderbilt and Reddish um, to to be, I think, more than they really are offensively you're taking them out of the lane where they are most likely to succeed and putting them in one where they where their skill sets don't play as well and you know as a defense you know i okay cam reddish go shoot with as much confidence as you want every shot cam reddish you know if we can if we can get cam reddish to take six seven shots you know eight shots nine whatever it is those are shots that Anthony Davis and LeBron James and probably, you know, Torian Prince, I think, you know, to some degree, th th those guys aren't taking. If we can get Jared Vanderbilt to be out in the perimeter taking three pointers or, you know, trying to create and drive and finish around the rim, which is just not something he's ever really been that good at, we are winning. Like those are our opportunities for better players to do things. And then, if you, you know, one of the things that's very clear about the, like you go watch the Boston game, the amount of, you know, block shots and, or heavily contested shots, like there's a big crowd at the, at the rim. So if you want Vanderbilt to go finish there, or Cam to drive hard and finish, like he's doing, they, they are going to be doing these things under much more difficult circumstances than they otherwise would be. And so when I take all of this stuff collectively, my big issue with it is what are you who are you asking to do this stuff like these aren't the right guys for that and ultimately even if it the sort of results in those things a clean shot for cam reddish that is a victory for the for the opposition i think more than anything yeah i mean there is some truth to that the flip side of that argument is you are just as easily putting d'angelo russell in a position before of having to defend or Austin Reeves before in a position of having to defend mm -hmm. where, frankly, they were often getting abused. And it was hurting the team just as much defensively as whatever ways Reddish or Vando may hurt the team offensively. And we, I mean, the proof was in the results, in the data, in the eye test, which, by the way, is not me saying that this new look is the obvious answer to land on. We, we've talked about this, Brian. I, I have, I think, more 
cautious optimism, if nothing else, towards it because I've wanted to see them go in this type of direction, if not necessarily this extreme, for a mm. while. So, and I do think that for this to work, you do have to give it a larger sample size and opening it up against OKC and Boston. That's just tough, no matter how you're going to play. It doesn't anyway. matter what change you're trying to do. It doesn't matter what, you know, especially. It doesn't matter if, if you're trying to run boring. everything you always do. It's right. tough if it's to a, do it against those two. And, and when you start to do it with guys who are not familiar with playing together all the time, I look, I understand all the, the mitigating things. And the, you know, but the idea, though, game against really, Charlotte, that could be a day to sort of get a chance to do things against a lesser opponent that you get a little success. You start to see what it's supposed to look like. And then you, over the weekend, when you go back to you know, New Orleans and um, Minnesota, Minnesota maybe you can execute a little bit better. Yeah, and and look, the I think also too the idea is the defensive upgrade will give them more opportunities to get out and trans transition through disruptiveness mm -hmm. which will leave the lane less clogged for everybody driving towards it and also too give them their best offense period because we've seen it doesn't always matter who is out there. They still are not a great team. I, look, don't get me wrong. I would like to see them run more things that look like sets on a regular basis I as think, opposed I mean, they, to they do. YOLO making it up as they go. They, they do more of that than anything than, than people give credit. It just doesn't always look very good, but they still, I mean, they're, they're doing it. And again, I, I, I will say this, part of the elephant in the room I do think a lot of this has to do specifically with how LeBron has to play over the course of 48 minutes. Okay, let's let's let's. Here. I, I want to. We started to talk about this a little bit for for Wednesday's show, and I want to talk a little bit more because the numbers between the first quarter and the third quarter um, are relatively significant, and so uh, with a better third quarter, still not as good as it should be, but it's much better than the first. And yep. so I want I want to I want to get into a little bit of why that is, and then potentially what other lineups they could try. Like if this is if this ain't it, what else is there? So we'll do all of it next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by eBay Motors and Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to bring you the best fantasy picks each week, all season long, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you with players guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Dante Exum of the Dallas Mavericks, who the Lakers have seen shoot the lights out at their expense. Jason Kidd said that even when the team is eventually healthy, they're going to keep starting Exum, which, if nothing else, pretty cool story. Plus, Torian Prince. Laker fans know he is shooting the lights out lately, so try to capitalize on that while you can for your team. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And same thing with your vehicle. There is nothing worse than having your vehicle break down in real time. I've had my vehicle break down in LA. I've had my vehicle break down in the desert on the way to Las Vegas. Brian was with me. That wasn't fun. And nope. you know what would have come in really handy back then? eBay Motors, because with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running perfectly. They got brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, everything your car needs. And with the eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or 
your money back. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit is available only to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Reminder, the Lakers play the Hornets tonight at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Mitch Kupchak in the house. The Lakers really better win this one. Catch every Lakers game on the hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search Lakers. Okay, so you sent me some numbers because we were talking about it um, for the show on Wednesday. Uh, the difference between the first quarter and the third quarter. And, you know, it, it is... Well, all four quarters. All four. You sent me all four quarters, but I really want to focus on the the first and the third, which, by the way, are the two worst quarters they played. In order, um, you know, their their be their best quarter is the fourth. Their second best quarter is the second. Their worst is the first. Their their and their second worst is the third. Um, so starting games and coming out of the half are not strengths of this team which mm. um, if you are looking for things to criticize i think the coaching staff that could be part of it you know you, your game plan going in your adjustments coming out of the half this is also an issue with the players um it is not just the coaches but um so anyway first quarter uh, 105.7 offensive rating 120.6 defensive rating you are about 15 points in the hole in terms of your net rating with that Third for quarter, those unaware, those are both atrocious numbers. Yes, <laughs> it's hideous, and the net rating is just awful. If you're not in the you know the whole analytics scene, just to make sure you know, those are terrible. Right, but this is the first quarter is the only quarter where they are underwater. The third quarter is the closest one. Um, so you know the next closest it's it's a one fourteen offensive rating. So they're playing much better offensively, and they tighten down defensively. One twelve uh, is the defensive rating. So they are plus 2.3 compared to minus 15. The, one of the things that you pointed out with um, the Lakers is, and I think is an interesting point, is is it's kind of the the way LeBron has to kind of ramp up. You know, there are exceptions. He came out, you know, really aggressively against Chicago, for example. Like, so, you know, it does happen. But oftentimes he is sort of helping and watching other guys get going offensively, trying to activate them. Um, and, you know, is, has to calibrate his effort defensively throughout a game. I don't think there's any question about that. Is there anything else that you can think of that explains the difference between the first and the third quarters? Because if they could replicate just what they're doing, because again, with what should be close to the same lineups, you play, generally speaking, the same rotation in the first quarter as you do the third. Um, there shouldn't be that huge a difference between the first quarter and the third quarter. And to me, the difference, and I don't know what the answer is, but the difference to me seems to be not fully explained just by the LeBron factor that you're talking about, which by the way, again, I agree is a thing. Um, but I just, I don't know if it's nine, well, nine points offense, eight points the other way on defense, you know, per, per hundred possessions. I don't know if it's that big a deal. Is it? I mean, it depends on how you're defining that big of a deal or you like know, what else is, is it? Is that what accounts for the, the difference well, between I mean, the first and you, third quarters? Well, beyond what I talked about with the pacing yourself defensively, which I think is a thing for LeBron mm -hmm. over the course of games. Um, he also takes the fewest amount of shots in the first and the third. Mm -hmm. Um, so he is also kind of ramping himself up offensively throughout halves as well. And if you are, 
no matter how much help you want to give LeBron, LeBron is still a very heliocentric player. I mean, there's always been talk about how the system on any LeBron team is LeBron. And I think that it, there's some truth to that. And because of that, depending on how much he is or is not directly aggressively involved in the offense, it may at times suffer. And look, some of these numbers have to do with in the beginning of the year, um, guys they were missing, Austin Reeves getting off to a terrible start, you know, when he was part of the opening first and sure. third quarters, like, you know, these are all cumulative. But I mean, for example, during this two and six period post the IST, if you look up their net ratings for just those eight games, LeBron has the worst net rating of any starter. Like we've talked before about the fatigue that he's clearly feeling. This, just to let you know how extreme things have gone, when LeBron is off the court over these past eight games, <laughs> the Lakers are three and a half points better. Hmm. That's and shocking. That, that is that is, and that's way different than the pattern typically has been. But, oh, but are, like <laughs> they typically died without him on the court. Correct. And so, like you know, he does. And just for you know, you, you mentioned the first quarter and the third quarter, he takes the fewest amounts. Uh, you know, field goal attempts, you know, it is, you know, for, per hundred possessions we're talking here. Um, it, it is, it, it is actually, let me go back to per game. It's just easier to read that way. Um, but it's, it's, it is, it's definitely noticeable, but it's not crazy different. If what I'm trying to figure out is why, because the first quarter you're correct, has been a disaster on both sides of the ball. The third quarter has not been. So I think the what, game is getting going more and he's more along the lines of the ramp up. I mean, that's sure. But is it, but is, does that explain, but does that explain the entire difference between the first and the third quarter? I, I mean, it obviously doesn't explain all of it, but I think it is a factor. And right. I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to think of what the other ones might be, because if you can figure if, if there's an answer to that question, then the the solution to the third well, to okay, the first look, quarter doesn't require the sledgehammer of of here's a big okay you want another offense which is what they're doing right you want another big reason for a long time uh Austin Reeves was struggling as part of the first quarter then you had a long period where D'Angelo Russell was struggling as part of the okay. first and third quarter like there there are a lot of different factors in there the reason that I bring up LeBron though to begin with is I think LeBron is actually a big rationale for this direction in particular with Vando and Reddish and the defensive support that they are very clearly going for. Yeah, I'm not bringing this up to try to pit all this on LeBron. What I am oh, I saying, though, is I think LeBron is actually a big rationale for why they are doing this, even sure. if you think it is a massive overcorrection. Right. And that's and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like if because there's something there is a there's with the same basic rotations and the same guys struggling and, you know, Reeves in the beginning of the year was bad in all the quarters. You know, I mean, um, and, and all that, you know, like the same factors playing through, they are significantly better in the third than the first. And I, I, I'm wondering and I don't know, I mean, leave, leave heck, guys, leave comments in the in the YouTube section. Um, let us, you know, if you have ideas as to why it might be playing out this way, um, 
I'm, I am open to them. I do not have an answer to this question, but what I, what I'm, the reason I'm oh, Okay. One more reason I would give quickly. Because it is, I feel like if you, if you could diagnose that it would, it would help guide them to better rotations and one that in a starting lineup that made more sense. Okay. One more reason I would give quickly before we even get to the idea of what, what could be a better solution, the lineup we mm -hmm. might think would be a better middle ground, whatever. I think this team's personality in general is kind of laid back. And I think that can lead to some laid back starts, probably at the beginning of first and third quarters. Like, I think between what is Anthony, Anthony Davis is playing phenomenal, but he is not a fiery personality. LeBron mm -hmm. already talked about these issues with it. I think when, to some degree, when those are, your two leaders, as great of players as they are, I think your team takes a personality from that to some respect. Is this is a place where they miss Schroeder? You know, for example, yes. um, and yes. that 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 real that in, that specific type or, of intent, or having Vando there all season and Correct. healthy because Vando brings a lot of energy to the court. Um, all right, let next we want to you know we'll get to some of the lineups that we think might uh you know other options here and then uh if we, we can get to it i'd love to talk about this question of jalen hutchifino whether or not the lakers philosophically really made the wrong decision over the summer with that number one draft pick we'll get to all of it next locked on lakers is brought to you by game time and years ago some friends of mine and i we went to go see ll cool j in la at the now defunct house of blues really last minute we didn't know how to score tickets, so we went to a scalper, and the guy took us. They were fake tickets, and we managed through totally unrepeatable luck to get into this show. But after that, I was like, I will never deal with that again. I don't want to deal with that stress, and you shouldn't have to. You don't have to because game time. Here's why I love it. They are the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy shows, and theater near you. And with killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop worrying about stuff like scalpers taking you and start getting hyped for the fun. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section or row or less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. So snag the tickets without the stress using game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Reminder, the Lakers play the Hornets tonight at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Mitch Kupchak in the house. The Lakers really better win this one. Catch every Lakers game on the hometown broadcast with Sirius XM. On the SXM app, search Lakers. So, I mean, I, I threw out one, you know, this the, the lineup I would love to see them try, or at least a version of it, is to put Vanderbilt. Here, here, one place I'd start, I might try just putting Vanderbilt in the lineup instead of Reddish. And with the, with the lineup that they had, something close to it last year, Still can move D'Lo to the to the you know either keep D'Lo put Reeves back in. Or I don't mind Torian Prince as a starter, but short of that, I would just try the lineup that they they used last year. If you're looking for a middle ground, you know, then maybe somebody like Max Christie um, could be in there for Reddish. 
um, put Vanderbilt in the starting lineup. You have Max Christie as somebody who can space the floor a little bit and still provide some of that defensive integrity that you're looking for. Um, go ahead, send D'Lo to the bench. Like, I mean, there are a lot of people in the comment section because I've been sticking up for D'Lo um, for a lot of the season who are like, oh, you know, he just he's coming up with every excuse. I don't care if D'Angelo Russell starts. I frankly don't care if he plays. I think it's a mistake for the Lakers. Oh, I care if he plays. They they cannot afford to have D'Angelo Russell. That's what I'm getting. I'm like, if they can figure out a way to make this work within D'Angelo Russell isn't on the team, he's traded, he's not playing. Okay. I just feel like, you know, on this on this team with what they have, um, it is going to be difficult. Like, you need to figure out a way to get him playing well again rather than um, just sort of cast him aside. But, like, it has nothing to do with, like, some sort of loyalty to Russell other than, I think he's pretty good, and I find him to be a very interesting player and personality. Plus, but, your D-Lo back tap. Right. Well, there is that. <laughs> I, mean, but, I mean, that was it, days it, worth of inking, a lot it, of investment. And it was, and it was a long time between when they f- sent him away and when they got him back to wear shirts at the beach. Like, I find, you know, like, you just don't want that out there. Um I, but like I don't care about that stuff. But what I want is a is is a is a lineup that makes some sense that can put guys in the best positions to succeed and are most likely to work. And this one is not there. So I mean, where would I start? I would start with a lineup that functionally got them to the Western Conference Finals last year with tweaks here and there, and it's you know matchup based and whatever. But that that's what I would have. That's where I would have started. Yeah, I I would say that, again, with the caveat of if this thing is going to work at all, you do need to give it more time. Whether you believe in it or not, if you're going to try it at all and bother trying it, you need to give it longer than two games. Mm -hmm. That being said, if you were looking for a middle ground that achieves or could achieve what Darvin's looking for defensively while making the offense more functional, if nothing else, they need another ball handler. Like the the lack of spacing doesn't bother me as because I we've talked about this before. I don't think this team has a ton of gravity no matter what. But the lack of a second ball handler that I think actually hurts them more than the spacing. It makes which, it hard to run any actions. Right. Which either way would mean putting Reeves or D'Lo back in that starting lineup. I would put Reeves in because ultimately I think Reeves is if not an overall better player than D'Angelo Russell at his best, I think he's a better defender than D'Lo. To make it clear, I don't think either are great, but I think he's better. And I would move Reddish to the bench and keep Vanderbilt there because I think Vanderbilt's best quality, which is point of attack defense, the ability to defend along the perimeter, is most useful against another team's best scoring guards or wings. And in a lot of ways, you don't get the full theoretical benefit of Vanderbilt off the bench. Reddish can do what he does as a starter off the bench. And and Reddish should keep playing. I'm not not saying take him out of the rotation or anything like that. But you can play Reddish in basically the same role, roughly the same minutes, depending on how things shake out from the bench with, I think, more or less the same benefits. I think the benefits you get from Vanderbilt reduced drastically if he's right. playing and that. reddish is more likely to be less negative offensively against 
reserves as opposed to starters. It's probably still not going to be a positive. Vanderbilt's not going to be a positive against either group. So you might as well just let him play, you know, with, again, you know, is let him, as he did last year, have those moments where he can really take advantage of the fact that literally nobody. And Prince, you need to keep starting because if he, you want as many minutes for him with LeBron and AD because if you are trying to space the floor for them at all, you have to have the closest thing you have to a volume shooter on this team out there. So the way he's shooting right now, Prince has to start. Um, before we go, the, the the biggest thing that has been, um, I think, is sort of a side conversation, aside from the starting lineup on, on Lakers social media over the last few days, is uh, Jaime Jaquez, uh, who went to UCLA, you know, very familiar to LA fans, but four years there, um, and uh, was taken by the Heat one spot after the Lakers took Jalen Hood Shafino is playing extremely well with the Heat. Um, he's being given a lot of opportunities to play because the Miami's got a bunch of injuries. Jimmy Butler's been in and out of the lineup, among other players. Um, Bam Adebayo has missed a bunch of time. Like they're, They've had a ton of injuries that continue to win games because of the Heat. And one reason, though, is Haquez has played really well as a rookie, stepping in and showing he is extraordinarily ready uh, to contribute. Uh, Jalen Hochefino, who could turn out to be an excellent player, obviously has not contributed. He's been hurt, and even when he wasn't hurt, it was pretty clear he's not ready yet to be a rotation player on a team. Which you would expect from a one-and-done player. One-and-done point guard, particularly. Yeah. So it's it's got, it's got it's really lit up a conversation about whether or not the Lakers screwed up the pick. And it's an interesting question. I think a lot of it just has to do with, you mentioned before, philosophically, it's way too early to say that Hood Shafino is a bust. It's way too early to say that Jaime Jaquez is going to be a better pro than Jalen Hood Shafino. I mean, that's just way too reactionary. There isn't nearly the same sample size. Hood Shafino is much younger than Jaquez, all of that stuff. But where I think this question is fair is when you think about where the Lakers are right now, trying to squeeze every last bit of mileage out of the LeBron era. They're in extreme win-now mode. And whether or not you think Hawkins would have the, the exact same role or opportunity on this team as he's had in Miami, which should be noted, they are also in very win-now mode as well. They're always in win-now mode. It was obvious that Hawkins would be readier than Hood Shafino is. Yeah, right a guy now. who plays four years in college, generally speaking, is going to be more ready to play, you know, more prepared so, to play. I mean, look at look at Colin Castleton. You know, right. It's the same kind of thing, and Hawk is just a better player. Right. I mean, so it's fair to question whether or not the Lakers were potentially getting either too cute by half or even too greedy by half, wanting, very understandably, to try to stockpile a little more youth on this team and try to get some youth with the pedigree and the rare mid-first-round pick that they don't have all that often, trying to look beyond this period with LeBron and AD, it is an understandable impulse. But you could argue that from a practical, pragmatic standpoint, they should have been seeking out somebody like Jaquez. The other thing that I think people are forgetting is the guy who was taken right after Hawkes, um, if the Lakers wanted a guard, 
was uh, Pajemski or however his name is, you know, pronounced. Uh, I think it's Pajemski uh, with Golden State. And so, you know, he has been kind of pressed into action as well. He's also played very well, starting for him right now. I, you know, it's I, I, I think the answer is probably they thought that anybody they picked in that spot probably wouldn't be able to contribute given the type of roster that they expected to put together. And there probably is some truth to that. If everybody is healthy, you know, I think it is reasonable for them to assume that, you know, anybody, even some guys are more ready than others, but to expect a, you know, 19, is that where it is? Is it 18 or 19? 19. 19, 19. You know, to, you know, the Lakers draft Huchifino at 17, you know, anybody in that sort of 17 and beyond, you know, even somebody like Cam Whitmore, who was expected to be a lottery pick, has not cracked even a tiny bit Houston's rotation this year. Um, so, like the the expectation is that if you're drafted at that point, you're just probably not going to play that much. Um, so, Hawkes, for example, is the exception to the rule. You know, to how well he's playing. Well, it depends. I think it is fair if, for them to have sort of have made that assumption um, that they're going to fill out this roster with a bunch of players who are going to be ready to go and ready to play. But the thing about it is, is like when you have LeBron, when you have AD, when you have guys who, you know, have spotty injury histories and stuff like that, it, you know, there is a, there is a benefit to having your 13th guy be a, somebody who can actually step on the floor and play, even if you don't think you're going to have to use them. That's what I was going to say. Like, you know, the, whether or not the Lakers thought whoever they would select would actually end up playing is a separate question about whether they'd be ready if you needed them. And the, what we see in Hakez reminds me a lot of when you when you and I covered the kids era for the Lakers and Larry Nance Jr. as a rookie or Josh Hart as a rookie. You could tell those guys would have been able to contribute on a good team right away. Like whether or not on a good team, as opposed to the one that they were drafted on at the time when the Lakers were rebuilding without trying to rebuild, you know, who knows whether or not they would have had the opportunity, but Larry Nance Jr. as a rookie could have played 12 minutes a game for a good team and not screwed things up. Josh Hart could have played 12 minutes a game for a good team and not screwed things up. And they were four-year players, and they were players that you could reasonably say if we have to play them in a game with stakes you probably don't worry about it too much and that to me is the difference between Hakez and Huchifino even if Huchifino may end up a terrific player down the stretch I am uh you know this is one of those things that probably shouldn't have mattered but may turn out to um and certainly it may know, not matter either Having either one of those guys um, as as somebody who could plug into the rotation, particularly I think a guard, you know, in, in Pajemski, um, and I, I, it's not one hundred percent sure I'm saying it right. Um, well, it would just be helpful. Lakers thought they'd have Gabe Vincent. Yeah. So right. I mean, there's he, these none of these guys are supposed to be able to be part of this. So it will be interesting. I mean, um, well, so we'll see how this the the next incarnation of this rotation goes tonight. Um, and. Please, please, please. I do not want to have to do the show Thursday, uh, a Thursday night show into Friday where they lose this game to Charlotte. Um, all right. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show, hang out with 22,000 subscribers and more. Uh, we, will be back. <laughs> we will be back on 
uh, Friday, hopefully talking about a Lakers win. See everyone tomorrow.